0: Well, uh, teens, I realize this is a topic in which you are probably not interested, the topic of romance, but it's in the Bible. So we're going to have to cover it. And what we find is that with the romance of a man with a maid, that's what Solomon's getting at here, with the romance of a man with a maid just as with the eagle that hangs in the air without even moving its wings,
1: just as the serpent
0: that glides over the rock even though it doesn't have any legs, and just as the ship which slices through the sea silently even though there are no rowers, with all of these things there are by God's design powerful, invisible, seemingly magical forces work. These seemingly magical forces of romance are designed by God to do something very special, to bring a man and a woman together in marriage, to meld them together as one for a lifetime, to bring from them children unto God, and to build his church and his kingdom until the knowledge of the Lord covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. Now, despite these truly glorious purposes and design intentions, Solomon persistently warns his teenage son about romance and about the opposite sex. Out of Solomon's nine chapter introduction to the book of Proverbs, in which he covers all the major themes. He spends more than three whole chapters, over one third of the introduction, on this subject romance and the opposite sex. Why is this? It's because the wind that lifts the eagle and that pushes the ship can also wreck them. That's not what God intends. But it is a very real danger in a fallen world. happens all the time. Remember, nothing is evil in itself. Because God created all things very good, Genesis 1.31. So sin cannot create anything new. Sin can only take things that God created very good and twist them. So they are used for an improper purpose or out of proper proportion. When good things are twisted, they become destructive. They no longer bless. They no longer foster life. Instead, they bring harm and suffering. And so it is with attraction and romance. Attraction and romance always feel wonderful regardless of whether they are producing beauty and blessing or mismatch and misery. That's why Solomon spends so much time on this topic with his teenage son. The key, you see, is to test the wind, and when it is right, to harness the wind, so that it accomplishes the good that God intends, not the harm that he warns against. So teens, the question for you is, what do you do now so you're living in line with God's design and blessing, and so you will be in a position to harness the wind when the time is right? Well, to put it in a nutshell, three things you need to do. Number one, be the right person right now. Number two, seek the right person at the right time. And number three, receive the help that God gives you. So let's look at these. Number one, be the right person right now. That means understanding and living in light of three fundamental truths that we see in scripture. We've already talked about some of these uh, when we talked about greatness and when we talked about happiness, but let me remind you of what we saw, because it is the same thing that will result in you being the right person right now. First of all, remember that every good thing in this world is the gift of God. James 1.16, he says, don't be deceived. Why does he say that? Because we're so easily deceived in this area. He says, don't be deceived. Every good gift, every good thing is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Every good thing and blessing that comes into our lives, God providentially brings to us and gives it to us just as really as if he literally handed it to us out of heaven. We have to remember that. Every good thing we can enjoy is a gift. You can't earn it, you can't make it, you can't take it, even though that lie is constantly out there that we can earn it, we can make it, we can take it. What you see in this world is all kinds of people who when they get the things that we think are guaranteed to make somebody happy, when they get extreme wealth, when they get extreme popularity, when they get extreme power, when they get all of these things, or maybe they have great beauty, And looks, Whatever the things are, what we find is when they get all of those things, it's like they have all this sumptuous food, but they don't have any taste buds. They keep cramming stuff in their mouths, but they can't taste it. They're left like Solomon when he wasn't walking with the Lord. He had everything you could imagine, and he said he was completely empty, unfulfilled, and unhappy. God is the only one who can give us the taste buds. So when God gives us something, we can taste it. We can enjoy it. It's truly a blessing. So remember, every good thing you can receive in this world is the gift of God. Secondly, remember especially that a really good husband or a really good wife is especially the gift of God. Proverbs 19.14 A prudent wife, that is, a wife who gets life, that it all flows from God and who lives wisely and beautifully the way that God intended, that kind of wife is from the Lord, period. And the same is true for a husband of that nature, young ladies. It is the gift of God. And God does not waste his good ones. He does not waste them be the right person right now the same uh, the second thing do we need to remember or the third thing we need to remember is that life is to be lived unto god life is to be lived unto god every moment no matter what we're doing and everything flows from that john uh, jeremiah chapter 9 verse 23 Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But there is something to glory in. Let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, says God, that I am the Lord and I am the one exercising loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth. In these things I delight. In other words, young people, be thankful for God's gifts, but don't forget the giver. When you forget the giver, you forget that the gift is a gift, and then your thankfulness goes away. When you connect the gift to the one who gave it, the living God, then it fills you with gratitude. Then, you're a, then the gift is a blessing. So be the right person right now. So the second thing is seek the right person at the right time. And there's two important factors here. The first is this. Seek a godly friend first and foremost. We talked about friendship last year, last week. You saw with Jonathan and David what true friendship is really like and the way it encourages faith and godliness and strength in both of the friends. Seek a godly friend first and foremost. Let God add the romance if he wants to. Seek a godly friend first and foremost. Let God add the romance if he wants to. The Bible teaches us that romance and marriage are to be built on the foundation of close Christian friendship. We can see this in Song of Solomon, which is Solomon's ode to romantic and marital love. In chapter 5 of that book, the bride describes her groom to be her fiancé to her girlfriends. She says in verse 16, This is my beloved, this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. He is a godly friend first who has become her beloved, her fiancé. The groom speaks the same way in chapter 4, verse 9. He says to his fiancé, You have ravished my heart, my sister, my bride. She is his sister in the Lord first. Then she is his fiancé and will be his bride. This is the way it's supposed to be. Marriage, young people, marriage is much more than friendship, but it is never less. Marriage is much more than friendship, but it is never less. Friends first, let God add the romance if he wants to. Second thing we need to remember here is do not seek romantic love until the proper time. Song of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 5. This is the, the bride-to-be. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem. She's talking to all of her female friends, her girlfriends. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, do not stir up or awaken my love until it pleases. In other words, until the right time. Young ladies, don't be boy-silly. Don't be talking about boys every time you're together. Guys, don't be girl silly. Don't get caught up in that. Don't let your heart seek or entertain romance when you're not of an age or situation where you can follow through by moving toward a godly marriage. This usually means in our society that you need to be out of college or close to it or the equivalent depending on uh, the course of life that you were pursuing. I had five daughters, and there were a couple of my daughters who, when still in the teenage years, I could tell that they really admired a certain young man. And in each case, it was an outstanding young man, uh, uh, godly and outstanding. And this is what I told those two daughters because they were not of an age, nor was that young man of an age where they could righteously do anything about it. Furthermore, it's not, it wasn't seen at the time whether that young man is going to have any interest whatsoever in my daughter. This is what I told my daughters. I said, do not, do not feel guilty about admiring that young man because that's the kind of young man you ought to. To admire, when the time is right. Having said that, you have to keep your heart, because neither you nor he are of an age to pursue this sort of thing. Besides, we we don't know what his feelings or intentions and what the counsel of his parents are going to be. You don't know what God is going to bring about in His time, one way or another. So you can admire his qualities, but you must not focus on him. And you can't in your heart dibs him like he belongs to you. None of that. You have to focus on God in being the girl that you're supposed to be right now. You rest in that. You take joy in that. You let God take care of the rest as he pleases and in his good time. Now, as it turns out, one of those daughters would end up years later marrying that guy. But the other daughter, who was admiring an outstanding godly young man, did not end up marrying him years later. She ended up marrying a different outstanding godly young man. So you see how God works in those things. You see how he cares and how you have to rest in him because resting in God, in the midst of some uh, churning and emotions and turmoil and different things going on, young folks, that's never going to change in this life. You're going to be doing that over and over and over again, not because you're looking for a husband or a wife, but just because God is sending you things in this life where He is saying, Trust me in this, walk with me in this. Okay, you've gotten used to the calm river, I'm going to take you into the white water now. I want you to trust me in this white water. I want you to walk with me through this white water. That never stops in this life. And so, if we, as we wind up the idea of being the right person right now and seeking the right person at the right time, let me mention one of the major temptations that confront young ladies and young men in this area. And that is the temptation for young ladies to be sexually provocative in the way that they dress or act, or today they would say to be hot. Um, That is a temptation for women to to do that, to get male attention, and it is the quickest way for you to get cheap male attention, which is not the kind that you want. And the temptation for young men is to encourage and reward this. Now, this is a pitfall that needs to be avoided from both sides all the time. If you give in to this, young men or young ladies, that's a sign that you're not doing what you need to be doing to be the right person right now. Young ladies, there's immense pressure in our culture on you to do this. I know that. Um, But this is what you need to remember. You as a woman want to be prized and valued and cherished as a whole woman, not solely because of sex appeal. Every woman that God has created yearns to be cherished and prized and valued as a whole woman, not part of a woman. If you lead out, if you give in, if you sink down into this and you, and you manifest sexual provocativeness to generate male attention that way, and that's the basis of his interest, it's really hard to go back from that later on and to build the kind of respect and regard, prizing and cherishment that you long for as a whole woman. So the Bible speaks to you, young ladies, on this point. 1 Peter 3.3, Do not let your adornment merely be outward. Let it rather be the hidden person of the heart. Now, a lot of times this is misunderstood to mean that basically Christian women are, are supposed to just be dumpy and dowdy and uh, uh, have nothing attractive in the way they look. It means nothing of the sort. Notice the assumption here, do not let your adornment. It is assumed that you're going to be adorned, okay? As women... God has created you for a capacity for beauty and, and, a, and a, a certain kind of love for beauty that men don't really have. Now, if you think about it, God has designed us differently from the animal world. If you look at the animal world, the vast majority of the time, the male is the beautiful one. The male is the glorious one with all the colors and the plumage and the mane and all that kind of stuff. And the female is plain looking in the animal kingdom. Most times the male is his own glory. God has not done it that way for us because we're made in his image as men. We're not created to be our own glory. Men should look nice, should be well groomed, all of that sort of thing, but men past a certain point, if we're concerned with beautification and the glory in the way that we look, not only does that slide over into the foolish and the sinful, it's unmasculine. Past a certain point, we're not supposed to be our own glory. Our wife is to be our glory. So the woman is created to be the glory. So it is proper for you young ladies to have an eye for beauty and to be concerned with adornment. He's assuming you're going to be adorned. What he's saying is you can't start out with emphasis on outside adornment and then think it's going to move to inside adornment. If you start with outside adornment in the wrong kind of way, that's where you're going to stay and then you're going to end up fulfilling Proverbs 11:22. This is the way Solomon says it to his teenage son. As a go- ring of gold and a swine's swine snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. A beautiful woman outwardly who is not a beautiful woman inwardly. So the relationship of outer adornment to inner adornment is like the relationship of a gold ring to the one who is wearing the gold ring. If there's outer bling with no inner beauty, no inner godly character, character, then it's like a gold ring in a pig's snout. That's not the way you want to be. What you want to do is adorn yourselves inside and out while making sure the inner adornment is the highest priority so that that shines outward. Young ladies, if you are a young lady, a girl, if you love God in your heart, if you love the fact that God has made you a woman, if you love being God's daughter, if you are characterized in your life by thankfulness to God, if you have joy in who God has made you, If you are at rest with God, you're not thinking that happiness is out there somewhere, but you're at rest with God because you know who He is and you know who you are. That creates a total woman beauty. And that kind of beauty cannot be contained, it will be seen, it will be recognized. It will be recognized, especially by the guys who are godly and biblically masculine, which is the only kind of guy you want. Now, the Bible also speaks to you young men on this point. Proverbs 6.25, this is Solomon to his teenage son. He's talking about the girl who's like the pig wearing the gold ring. Outside looks great. Inside looks like a pig. He says, do not lust after her beauty in your heart. In other words, he assumes she's got a certain kind of beauty. He's saying, don't let your heart desire her beauty. Rule over your heart, young men. In other words, when you have young ladies who are falling into this trap, when they're dressing, acting in a way that is sexually provocative and so forth, do not encourage it and do not reward it. The third thing that you need to do as young men and women is to receive the help that God gives you. Now, here we come back to our main text in in Proverbs. And as I mentioned before, being carried, those who are being carried along by the wind are not in the best position to see where the wind is taking them and whether it is good or whether it is not good. That is by God's design. Even in an unfallen world, even in a sinless world, where every single guy and every single girl are all godly, not every single godly guy would be a good match for every single godly girl. They would still need the wisdom of their parents and others whom God has placed around them to help guide them. That's doubly true in a fallen world. This is why Solomon spends so much time on this topic with his son. Proverbs 5.1 My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding. And then in chapter 31, the very last chapter of the book, we have King Lemuel, another king of Israel, telling his teenage son what his mother taught him about the kind of girl he ought to be attracted to and the kind of girl he ought to seek. There are a lot of places where godliness and wisdom or the absence thereof will evidence themselves, show themselves in your life. But there is none more than this, whom you seek, whom you allow yourself to be attracted to. Now, this brings up the whole topic of what is often called in our day Christian courtship. And the thing is, there's nothing magical about the word courtship. The the word's not in the Bible. But we don't have a word for what we do see in the Bible, which is this constant message that when it comes to attraction and romance and the opposite sex, no one should go it alone. That's a constant message in the Bible. That's all we mean by courtship. We just don't have a better word. If you have a better word, let me know. If you got a better one, we'll use it. But what we see is just this message that no one should go it alone regardless of age. And to bring this home to you, young people, let me do this. Because you're used to thinking of it as you, as young people, and then you have your parents and And others who are trying to give you wisdom. To help you understand what's going on here, I want to take that model of young people on the bottom and older people on the top, I want to turn it upside down, completely flip it. I want it to be an older person who is under the forces of attraction and romance, and the younger people are in a position to have to help. Now, I've seen this a number of times personally this is a scenario i've seen an elderly christian loses their spouse their spouse dies their spouse of many many years and then all of a sudden after decades of marriage they find themselves all alone they find themselves lonely and they find they fall into a whirlwind romance their children meanwhile begin to become very concerned because they see warning signs that this is not a good match for their father or their mother. And the children start to panic because they can see that their elderly parent is being blown around by the winds of romance. They can see that the love train is just barreling down the tracks as fast as it can go. And their formerly mature parent is acting like a 14-year-old. Age is irrelevant. The children would love to see their parent remarried. But to a godly Christian who is well-suited to them, someone who can be enthusiastically embraced by the whole family. Unfortunately, the widowed Christian, and I have seen this with elders from churches, the widowed Christian proceeds ahead at warp speed and gets married. And then unfortunately, the warning signs turn out to be the tip of the iceberg the children watch in dismay as their parent draws away from family, friends, and church. They end up feeling like they've lost both of their parents. Meanwhile, their newly married parent ends up more miserable than they were when they were all along. Now, if you ask those children, and I'm not just talking about children who may be grown, I'm talking about children who may be teenagers. I'm talking about children who may be 10 years old. If you ask them what the moral of the story was, they would tell you that their parents should have involved them in the process. And their parents should have committed to not get seriously involved without getting a thumbs up from the kids. That's the reaction. Even young kids, 10, 8... If they have a single parent who starts seeing a member of the opposite sex, the immediate reaction of that eight year old or ten year old is Who is this woman who is seeing my father? Or Who is this man who is seeing my mother? Their instinct immediately is Danger, my dad, my mom, they need my help. My dad, my mom, they're in the wind. They're being blown around. I may only be 8 or 10 years old, but I'm not in the wind. I can help them, and they need my help. You see, when it comes to attraction and romance, it's like flying in the clouds. Um, In our extended family, we've had a a number of pilots, pilots, military pilots, commercial, private pilots, and I've heard so many times from them how many plane crashes, how many pilots have died because they were flying in the clouds and they trusted their feelings. And they have the tower communicating with them, you are descending. You need to pull up immediately. And they start arguing with the tower. No, I'm not. I'm not descending. I'm flying level because that's what they feel like. We well, see, the problem is they're in the clouds. Their feelings are not reliable. The tower, they're not in the clouds. And so the constant message of the Bible, the, constant, the, the importance of welcoming the help that God has given you is that when you're in the clouds, you need people who are not in the clouds. You need people who love you, who want nothing more than your blessing and your happiness, those who are wise and know what they're looking at, who will speak into your life. One of the main illusions that comes up, and it always comes up for everybody who's involved in a romance, young people. Like I said, age is irrelevant. The only thing that matters is who's in the wind and who's out of the wind. Those are the only categories that matter. Age is irrelevant. When you're in the wind, when you're in a romance, romance seems like a magic plant. It just grows in thin air. It just grows in thin air. All we need is one another. That's what the couple always feels like. All we need is one another. It's a magic plant. The truth is, which you find on the other side of marriage, and you find it immediately, is that it is, it, is, it is a wonderful plant, but it is not a magical plant. It does not grow in thin air. It has roots. It needs soil. It needs a certain kind of soil. And that certain kind of soil has to do with all kinds of practical, quote, unromantic things like, I don't know, Money. A place to stay. You will find, young ladies, when you get married, you, you want a place where you're at peace, where you're happy, where you're comfortable. The thing is, the reason why it seems to be a magic plant that grows in thin air and during the romance is because the soil of your life, all the practical things, are being provided by your family. They're not, you're not looking to your romantic partner for those things. During the romance, as soon as you get married, you will be your parents who are speaking to you about all these unromantic things like money and other things like that. What they're looking at is the soil. They know what you're going to need to keep romance going on the other side. That's why they're focused on this stuff. They're focused on the soil that you're going to need to keep the romance going. And so while it can seem to you, young people, like my parents don't care anything about romance, here's the truth. They care about romance more than you do. You're just fascinated with the moment. They're looking at what you're going to need to keep it. So you tell me who cares more about romance. Your parents care intently about it. So I commend these things to you, young people. Romance is wonderful. God created it. Who are you going to trust? Yourself or God who created romance to start with? Trust him. Be the right person right now. Seek the right person at the right time. And with gratefulness, receive the help that God has placed around you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen.